This is the IVJ Podcast for the week of August 22nd, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. As you know, Monument Circle is the heart of Indianapolis. It was at the center of the foundational plat for the town of Indianapolis back in 1821. In the grid of the city, it's the point where the x-axis and the y-axis meet. It's the emotional core of the city, the place where we'd celebrate the ends of world wars, where presidents would stop to talk to the populace, where protesters gather to make their points and take their stands, where sports teams rally when they're on big runs, and where we celebrate the annual lighting of the world's largest Christmas tree. And if you're not from Indianapolis, I'm sorry, but I don't have time to explain that one to you. It's also the home of the state's signature war memorial, the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, and it's ground zero for the city called the Crossroads of the Midwest, which in a way makes the Circle an honorary regional hub for the Midwestern economy. I've always thought that the Circle looked a lot like a wheel. Unfortunately, the Circle is subject to the same wear and tear as any street. In the mid-1970s, its surface, both the street and the adjacent sidewalks, were replaced by red bricks, which as an aesthetic touch is terrific. But those bricks must continually be replaced, which is a constant struggle for the city. More recently, it has become evident that the very foundation of the circle needs to be replaced. And the conventional wisdom for more than a decade has been that we could do more to make the circle more attractive, more pedestrian-friendly, and more conducive to public gatherings. In 2014, the Ballard administration plotted a complete rebuild of the streets and sidewalks of Monument Circle and its four main spokes on Meridian and Market Streets. The cost, $54 million, was prohibitive. The city has since embarked on similar projects along East and West Market Streets, which officials hope can serve as a kind of proof of concept for a Monument Circle redo. The Hogshead administration has dusted off the Ballard plan and is strategizing how to turn it into reality, very likely requiring a mix of city, state, and federal funds, plus perhaps some philanthropic assistance to the tune of $60 million. The circle seems like a pretty simple shape, but this is a very complex puzzle for city officials. So I invited Dan Parker, director of the Indianapolis Department of Public Works, to talk about the direction the city is taking and what roadblocks could be in the way. Here's our conversation. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Dan Parker, director of the Indianapolis Department of Public Works. Mason, thank you for having us. Sure thing. So to my mind, there are two things going on here and and feel free to to leave me of of my judgment. Uh, There's the repair slash rebuild uh, of the surface and subsurface of Monument Circle Mm -hmm. uh, and its sidewalks. The second thing is potentially rethinking how we use the circle as a community asset. Now, how much do we want it to serve pedestrians? How much do we want it to serve traffic? Uh, does that sound like sound reasoning so far? 
You sound like an engineer so far. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I'm not making enough money. Uh, and I'm assuming that they are to an extent interconnected. Yes, they are. Okay, let's take it one at a time. So, okay, here, here's my here's the point where I make it about me. I have worked within a block in Monument Circle for 13 years, and actually on the circle for three. And it seems like crews have been working on the streets or the sidewalks or both for the entire time. They are constantly re replacing bricks or opening up big holes uh, to deal with what I'm guessing are problems with utilities or erosion. Everyone's had this experience probably downtown. Tell us what physically is going on there. What is wrong with the streets and the sidewalks of Monument Circle? So physically underneath the circle, the concrete that's underneath that kind of holds everything in place needs to be replaced. Um, it is decades old. And so the, the physical underneath infrastructure needs to be taken out. We need to go all the way down like we did on East Market Street down to you know, sort of Mother Earth and rebuild it from there. And that's what you've seen on East Market Street and you've seen on West Market Street. And so that type of project needs to happen at the circle. What you have seen, the utility cuts are one thing, but what you've seen DPW crews and our contractors doing is replacing the bricks and the bricks need to go as well. And we're re replacing those on those two projects we've already uh, one done and one we're about to complete. We've, we've replaced those with brick pavers so that it's, it's more substantive hold than the, than the current bricks out there. But part of the issue out there right now, the bricks, it's tough for them to hold because the substructure itself needs to be replaced. And you just mentioned two really significant projects. Um, tell us real quick what happened over on East Market. This is over by the City County Building and the City Market that was closed for what felt like an eternity. A, a good year and a half. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it was a complete reconstruction. So everything was ripped out from building face to building face. Uh, and it was rebuilt from the ground up. And so what you see over there now is the type of design that we'd like to bring to the rest of Market Street and the circle itself. And this really all started uh, under Mayor Ballard in 2014 when the initial discussions took place related to what do we want the circle to be? Um, and so some of that has led to uh, a little bit of design done on the circle and discussions that have taken place on what is the future of it. Um, but I think that that decision was with the businesses along the circle that we can't close it completely to traffic, but we can make it a more pedestrian friendly. And when we close the circle for events, make it be a more seamless and safe environment for events to take place on the circle. So that's the kind of project eventually we'll get to once we can secure the funding to actually do the most expensive piece of this entire puzzle, right. the circle. And then you mentioned the one, uh, what I guess we would call West Market. It is immediately west of the what we consider the roundabout of, uh, of the circle to Illinois. And that has been chomped up for quite a while. What was happening over there? So that project was, was coordinated in relation to um, the Illinois, uh, the redevelopment of the Illinois building and that mm -hmm. becoming the Intercontinental Hotel. And so what you see there is that small piece, that small piece from the edge of the circle to Illinois, the intersection of Illinois. I mean, it was a four and a half million dollar project, um, but it was to sort of uh, take out the curb 
for the entrance into the hotel, rebuild, just like over on East Market Street, more bump outs, more green infrastructure, um, obviously elevate and rebuild the concrete underneath. So that section is completely rebuilt, just like the East Market Street section. Hmm. And once uh, that is completed, we'll have the section over to the state capitol from Illinois, and then the piece from the circle over to Delaware on Market Street. We have the ability to that we think to get dollars to do both of those projects. And then once they're done, our hope is that that can lead to the momentum to get this almost $54 million project around the circle completed. Oh, okay. So that's the estimate just for doing the circle. So the circle, the north spoke and the south spoke. So that's the piece up to Ohio and the piece down to Washington plus the circle itself. Right is estimated at $54 million. Okay. That's good. That's that's where I was getting confused. So the Meridian Street spokes north and south, extending to the next block, Correct. are included as well. When were the bricks placed on the circle? Was that the, like the 1970s? We be, we believe that is the case. Um, there, we, the age of the concrete underneath is unknown. The bricks were sometime in the 70s. Okay. And that was, as I recall, I mean, part of uh, Mayor Hudnut's uh, interest in, in really uh, redeveloping and uh, kind of recharacterizing downtown. Correct. Okay. But we don't know how old that bed of concrete and gravel is that is holding everything up. Correct. How, how far deep does that go? Oh, when we, uh, it was probably two or three feet that we took out when we did over at East Market Street. So it's, it's, it's a pretty significant uh, elevation that's, that's, that's holding that all in place. Okay. Now, there are utilities that are running under the street. Just from observation, these don't seem like run-of-the-mill utilities. There's, there's some steam. Uh, explain to people what's happening down there. Well, there's all kinds of utilities down under the street, um, some of which we didn't even know were there. Um, there were abandoned pipes um, that were not even logged when we did the East Market Street project. Um, and so that's a lot of the challenge with doing projects in the, the downtown area when you, you take it down. And when we did the you know, Delaware Street project, we found obviously wood and trolley tracks and brick and all kinds of things. But um, and that was repaving, or that, no? That was a complete rebuild as well. That went oh, really? that went all the way down because it was. If we're gonna re, if we're gonna spend money on these, we need to spend it to rebuild them, not to just put a top layer on. Because we got to get those trolley tracks out because the trolley tracks were uh, on um, wood, and so that's just not mm-hmm. a firm foundation for asphalt. Gotcha. So it was take everything out, go curb to curb, and rebuild it. Right. And that was a north-south project. Yeah, that's a north-south project. And that's done. That is done. done. It's done except for the the parts of that project. It was a joint project with Indigo to turn Delaware into sort of a have that bus-only lane. You see the red paint on there now. The red paint means it's a bus-only. But in terms of the utilities, one of the complicating factors with the circle is that utility coordination and what's underneath. And, you know, the fact that you have a utility building on the circle itself, um, you know, who knows what's underneath. And so it is a very expensive project. It's in a historic district. 
there's a, obviously a very historic and very prominent state monument in the middle of Monument Circle. Um, and so the coordination and the historic nature of the circle itself is what really drives the cost up, let alone the infrastructure that needs to be replaced. And these complications is part of the reason why just the, we've basically been doing Band-Aid work on the circle for- Yeah, the, the replacement of the, of the bricks you could characterize as Band-Aid, but they're important to do every single year. We spend about a half a million dollars a year on replacing bricks. And that's just because we don't want people to trip. We don't want people to twist an ankle or anything like that. But ultimately, the whole thing needs to be replaced. So explain to folks, uh, hopefully this won't get too complicated, what is the states? So if you see the, the bollards that are on the inside of the circle that get the toy soldiers on them in the, in the, in the um, holiday time, that's kind of uh, how people know it. Those bollards are the beginning of the state property and everything inside. So there are bricks inside on state property. So um, as, your, as your article uh, in last week's paper obviously pointed out, the state and the state's uh, um, you know, War Memorial Commission have a very important stake in coordination for this project because ultimately the bricks go to the foundation of the of the monument itself. And so it is there's a reason why this hasn't been done. And you know, it's 54 million dollars as an estimate as of 2 years ago with inflation that might be 60 million now. Um, and so that's not something that can be funded out of the city budget. We're going to have to have a sort of joint funded project that's federal, state, local uh, put together to deal with this. So the city wants wants to go ahead and do this if it can. So how do you find the money? I think how we find the money is, like I said, we we if we finish Market Street first, which is expensive, but the estimate for uh, the rest of West Market Street is about five and a half million construction cost. And the rest of East Market Street is about five and a half million construction costs. If we can get that done, that could build the momentum because then all of Market Street has been redesigned with what how we want the, the circle to look. And then that could lead us to a conversation with state partners, federal partners on how to get this important project funded. Uh, but again, it's so pricey, not something that, that would end up being in the city budget or at least in any it, it couldn't be in the city budget. And it's such a large project that it's not. So the federal funds that flow down to local government go through uh, the Indiana Department of Transportation to the Indianapolis uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization, the MPO. Their annual budget's about $55 million. Mm. So, I mean, if all the other communities in the region would say, hey, we'll pass for one year for, for Indianapolis to get the circle done, I mean, that would be great. But um, I don't necessarily think that that would happen. But it's it's one of these projects that it is the core, it's the heart of the entire region. But we we feel like we could build momentum, you know, with the the Lilly Endowment uh, investment that they did with Downtown Indy for the for the for the light show downtown indie programming uh, monument circle, obviously with the things that the, the War Memorial Commission has planned for, upgrades to the monument itself. I mean, this is the, the heart of the, the city and we feel like we, could, we, we need to push this uh, to get it done. So it wouldn't necessarily be just 
filling out a grant for $60 million from the feds, it would be probably a, a combination of several yes. things. It would, it's going to have to be a combination. Um, even, even if, even if we, uh, say got a $60 million grant from the federal government, 20% of that cost has always got to be covered by the local. Gotcha. And so 20% of 60 million is still a, uh, pretty significant cost. <laughs> okay. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's episode of the IBJ podcast and my conversation with Dan Parker, director of the Indianapolis Department of Public Works. So meanwhile, every few years, we hear about a plan for making the circle more attractive or more pedestrian friendly, more of a community gathering space. In 2011, for example, the city, in partnership with the Central Indiana Community Foundation, in downtown Indy, announced a contest, a monument city, excuse me, monument circle idea competition. Uh, there were 12 finalists, then there was one winner. And as, as far as I know, nothing happened. What has been so difficult about choosing a vision for what monument circle is supposed to be? Well, I think that a lot of that, that uh, process that you talked about led to the 2014, the beginning of the design phase of what is the next stage of the, of, and, and so a lot of the early coordination that the city did with obviously stakeholders on the circle itself, but also this idea of how do we make it more pedestrian friendly? How do we program it more? How do we make it a place instead of a traffic circle led to sort of a, a compromise that yes, you keep it open for for traffic for the theater and the businesses and the Columbia Club, et cetera. But also, how do you make it more pedestrian friendly? And a lot of that will come out in the design process as we as once we can secure funds, we'll get it into further design is to eliminate curbs to, uh, you know, obviously rebuild the, the substructure. But also once you get that substructure rebuilt, how do you make it, you know, the green infrastructure with the, with the rain gardens that we have over at, at on East Market, but also eliminate curbs, widen the curbs out. We don't need as much space for cars. Um, you don't need three lanes of traffic going around the circle. How do we do this so you can still get to the theater? You can still get to the, the, the Columbia Club. You can still get to South Bend Chocolate Company, but also let's have more space for pedestrians. Is it three lanes? Is that including the parking lane? That includes the parking lane. Okay. So there- so you could have three lanes. If you had no parking lane, you'd have three lanes around that circle. Right. It's not marked, obviously. It's because- not marked. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to tell. But quite often you can see folks try to pass people on the circle, uh, which is not recommended. But we need to sort of have it safer but also, you know, let's have less traffic. Uh, like if you need to go to the circle because you're going to a specific business, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the most part, the circle is not necessarily a thoroughfare. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's a little difficult to get around, particularly obviously when there's events in town. My memory uh, growing up here, uh, especially uh, when the they light the world's largest Christmas tree, which of course is the monument with all the uh, all the bulbs on it, uh, as it there would be a line of cars, probably um, county wide, leading to the circle, and then them going around the circle. I mean, people from all over the state just to see the lights. Do they do that anymore? Or are there, are there situations now where we just, we just we don't want people to be just circling the circle? Well, I th- I think in the wintertime, after the lights are on, you'll see that. People just driving around the circle to, to take a look at the lights, which that's maybe part of the reason why you want some traffic. Yeah. But for the most part, um, the feedback the city got was that there want to be more emphasis on pedestrians, but accommodations for traffic. Now, what you have is accommodations for pedestrians and it's a traffic circle. Mm-hmm. We kind of want to flip that on its head and let's have accommodations for traffic. But really, this is a people-centric circle. So you, you mentioned uh, the pavers. Uh and I walked over there earlier this morning to the uh, to that Western Spoke just to walk on the pavers and, and see how that feels. And they feel like brick. They look like brick. What's the difference between a paver and a brick? Those are concrete pavers. So they're more durable. Um, so they'll last longer. The bricks that are on the current circle um, are just not designed for carrying traffic. And so the, the, the hope is that the concrete pavers will last longer. Um, and so there'll be less need to to repair them or replace them. You know, some other ideas that I recall hearing uh, for making Monument Circle more traffic friendly include uh, maybe better or different lighting, potentially more benches, potentially more places where you could uh, sit and eat. Am I on the right path here? Is that stuff that's yeah, being discussed? I, I, I think a lot of that's going to come out in the design process because we, we'll still need to do additional stakeholder engagement. But I think... One of the things that could be a little different than some of the ideas that came out is that, you know, downtown Indy holds the contract to program uh, Monument Circle. You see now, you know, picnic benches and umbrellas on uh, the monument itself. And so what is what is the sweet spot for the trees, the lighting? You, what you see over in on West Market Street, since it's completed, is that a lot of the electricity is built in and can be accessed um, for, let's say, if you wanted to have lights on the trees. Uh, what we ran into in the old situation here is that there were places for people to plug in. Well, yeah. you had, unfortunately, a lot of situations where some uh, some of our homeless neighbors were using that power for their own good, and that um, you know attracted you know a lot of folks to just hang out on the circle, and, and that was a problem. Now the electricity is going to be built into the base mm. that can only be accessed. And then you, if, if you want to put holiday lights on trees and things like that, but the, the lighting itself, it's a historic space. So we need to respect the historic nature, but all of the design plans call for, you know, better lighting and uh, more up-to-date, you know, electrical uh, for what you need to use for the, for, to be able to have events. Um, and so you want to have secure, you know, electricity and whatnot, water um, for those events. And one of the one of the ideas that we consistently hear about downtown, I think you you brought it up already, or about the about the circle, is just blocking it off. 
no traffic at all. I, I get the impression that is not being considered. Yeah, so we did a project a few years ago to add, you know, sort of the uh, uh, warning signs when the circle was closed off. And obviously, there's a lot of events on the circle where we do close it off. However, we got a lot of feedback from businesses that are on the circle itself that, um, you know, if you close off traffic, you're essentially closing our business. And so it, it was one of those where we need to sort of be in, in this place where, yes, accommodate traffic, but we really want this design to be a place. Here's a deep cut for you. Uh, you're probably aware. The spokes of the... Uh, of, of the circle, several of the sidewalks, if not all of them, have bricks on them with names in them. And the people who bought bricks, uh, I'm guessing back in the 70s when the bricking project started, uh, to help fund the project, uh, and then you know you get to have your, your your name in perpetuity engraved on on the circle or on the on the, uh, uh, the spoke. My name's on there. <laughs> what happens to those bricks? Well, I think that's one of those things that will come out in the design process in terms of what uh, what accommodation is going to be made for the bricks that have names on them. So, mm-hmm. you know, given the fact that we're just trying to build m- momentum behind the reconstruction, um, a lot of those things will come out through the design process. Okay. So uh, stay tuned for what might happen with yes. my and my family's bricks. <laughs> And everybody else. Yes. It's interesting. You you walk up and down the street and you see, you know, names that, you know, been important to Indianapolis, you know, mm-hmm. for decades. You know, right. people who back in the 70s were kind of involved with helping to turn the city around. And uh, it, it's kind of a fun history lesson just to go up and down there. So what is the next step? What are you doing? What is the department doing to get to the next place we need to be? So the next steps, uh, Congressman Carson um, had the... Old-fashioned name was called an earmark. There's, there's a new name because that got such a bad name back in the day. Placed a, a, a project in the House Pass, passed appropriation bill for roads and transportation um, that included money for a project on the West Market Street section from the state capital to Illinois. The department is preparing um, a grant application to the Indianapolis MPO for this final piece between um, the East Spoke and Delaware. So our hope is to try to nail those down and then get those under construction, complete Market Street while we're trying to build momentum behind uh, getting the circle taken care of. And so that's going to require us to really engage with not just Congressman Carson, but our senators, uh, you know, the state government, the legislature on how to, how to put this project together, um, it's just not going to be able to be done just by the city. Mm -hmm. It's just too expensive. So once that chunk is figured out, then you get a sense of where to go. Yeah. What kind of timeline would we be talking about here? Is it too early to tell? If the money was put together tomorrow for the circle, you're looking at probably three years before we would have an under construction. But it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be tomorrow. When would the money come together? I mean, even with the, say, the MPO uh, submission for the section between the circle and Delaware, the funds that the MPO is programming for that are calling for projects are for the fiscal year 26, 27. 
So that's how long out they program. And so we would start the design process and um, everything coordination with businesses because the tricky part, um, yes, we closed down between the city county building and the market. And that was challenging for you know the market businesses along with the pandemic. But there were other ways into those. Uh, it, there was another entrance into the city county building. There was other entrances. And as you go along Market Street, you've got businesses that only exit on the Market Street. And so what we've had to do over on West Market Street that's different from East is that we've had to do it in stages. So we did the north side of the street last year, and we're doing the south side of the street this year. And so it's being done in phases, which take longer, but the access to the street is the lifeline for for businesses along mm-hmm. there. And so it's going to take a lot of coordination with not just utilities, not just the historic aspect of it, but also we got to make sure that businesses stay open uh, during construction. So it sounds like five years would not be. It's the, Five years is not a stretch for- Would not be a stretch. If we could put money together on the circle, it's that's going to be the mother of all coordinations. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is great. Well, this is a great uh, show for the podcast because we can check in in a couple of years and see how things are going. Well, uh, hopefully uh, I'll be able to see it to its conclusion uh, as a citizen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Mason. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. My thanks again to Dan Parker. If you'd like to read more about the drive to improve Monument Circle, Mickey Shuey has a related story in the August 12th issue of IBJ. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest issue of IBJ I want to draw to your attention. First up, reporters Susan Orr and Taylor Wooten take a deep dive into the recently announced plans to split IUPUI into an urban campus for Indiana University and an independent satellite location for Purdue University. Local business and tech industry leaders say they see the effort as a chance to boost the available workforce for local companies, downtown's roster of research institutions, and the region's economy as a whole. Also in this week's issue, Peter Blanchard gives us a sense of what to expect from the state committee studying marijuana and potentially ways to regulate it for legal use. And Dave Lindquist examines a new approach to philanthropy taking hold in central Indiana that focuses on collaborating with the communities that foundations seek to help. Again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say it is easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and of all of IBJ's data on central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. And here's a new development. We have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories, columns, and podcasts from our sister publication, Inside Indiana Business. It now works out to about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You won't find Indiana's story told with this kind of breadth and depth anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. 